0: Hey Hey there there, friends friends and and farmers.
1: farmers, I'm Taylor and I'm Marshall and this is the Mind Your Melon podcast. It's always a season for growing here at Mind Your Melon and we're excited to be sharing thoughts, stories, and resources to inspire healthier minds with proactive choices and lifestyles. We'll be covering a lot of topics related to life and wellness, such as fitness, food, and even finances. Some big topics for sure, but don't worry because we'll be lightening them up with some fun and humor along the way.
0: Thanks for listening. Now, Mind Your Melon.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Your Melon podcast. In the wake of our most recent hurricane, many people have asked about the best steps leading into and directly following a natural disaster. On today's episode, we get to hear from Angie Lindsay, assistant professor in the University of Florida's Department of Family, Youth, and Community Sciences, who also serves as UF's key point of contact for the National Extension Disaster Education Network. Tune in as she shares her thoughts on proper preparation and real time response for disaster relief. Angie Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. I know we have gone back and forth for months. In months, probably about trying to catch up and our schedules haven't aligned. So I'm glad we finally found some time to get together in person and have a good conversation.
0: Absolutely. I'm very glad to be here. And thank you for having me.
1: No, I (laughs) pleasure's all mine. And Tay and I have been talking for a bit about just some of the guests, some of the people that we'd like to get on. And as you've heard before from us, we really want to do one of two things. Um, We want to be able to bring people from production on and have them be able to share their stories on this platform but then also bring people on who can actually speak to some of the resources or some of the information that might be very relevant for their operations, for their businesses, or for their personal lives. And given your background in the work that you do, which I'm gonna, I'm not going to steal your thunder, <laughs> I want you to talk about it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to just hearing some of the things that I think are going to be very relevant and very timely for people in the ag industry. So, with that, if you'd like to go ahead and Share a little bit of your backstory, that'd be great.
0: Sure, I'll be happy to. So I'm, I'm actually a faculty member here at the University of Florida, but in the Department of Family, Youth, and Community Sciences, but I also work with the uh, PI Center, which is the Center for Public Issues, Education, Agricultural and Natural Resources. And uh, right, not too long after I started this current position, uh, the Dean of Extension at the time came to me and said, hey... I know you're interested in looking at uh, crisis and crisis communication. My dissertation research was after the Deepwater Horizon oil spell. Uh, We have an organization that we're part of called EDEN, which is Extension Disaster Education Network, and we need a point of contact for Florida. Uh, and that was 2016, and I think two weeks later, Hurricane Matthew uh, actually hit the East Coast. Uh, so I quickly learned that this there was a need uh, for not only helping extension folks within the state to prepare, mitigate, and respond, and recover disasters within their communities, uh, but also how do you work within that recovery and work with extension and helping some of our ag communities uh, recover, as well as prepare, and mitigate, and respond. So. So my role is I am the Extension Disaster Education Network point of contact for Florida, uh, and basically what that is is kind of what I said with uh, how do you help Extension all sixty seven Extension offices throughout the con- throughout the state, excuse me, and preparing, mitigate, and responding and recovering as well from disaster. So uh, we work on a lot of different areas. We look and work in research. Uh, We actually work uh, research and programming throughout the year, throughout the entire year. Uh, But we're also boots on the ground. So I've been deployed for the past four major storms. So I've learned a lot uh, in the past four or five years with different storms that we've had here in Florida. I can
1: only imagine. And I I, I don't say this lightheartedly, but when we think about agriculture, when we think about production, uh, we're pretty much just waiting for the next crisis, essentially.
0: Absolutely, and especially it's not, especially in hur, especially in hurricane season, it's not if, it's when. And especially after having four major hurricanes in such a small, small amount of time here in Florida, uh, it it's something I think Floridians and and the ag community is like, okay, let's get ready. Um, you know, I think Hurricane Michael, Hurricane Irma, uh, Hurricane Ian, and now Hurricane Adelia, they've kind of been wake up calls of this can happen and this can happen to your area, uh, and we need to be prepared.
1: And that's why I mentioned that not only is it relevant, but also think it's timely to to have this conversation because we've been talking to some of our friends and and colleagues and people within the ag industry and and it's one thing to talk about an impending storm or you know thinking about making sure to get your batteries or you know get some of your your dry goods but when we're thinking about it not just from a personal standpoint but also from a business standpoint and you know what does that actual preparedness or following the storm in the aftermath, what does that response actually look like in trying to come up with the proper plan, going into it and then coming out of it for for next steps when a lot of times, especially in the aftermath of the storm, people are scrambling.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it,
1: any insight that you would be able to add, I think there are some of the, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction responses that we might have will, uh, you know, apply for this funding or do this or do that. But you've shared some things with me in the past all the way down to, documentation, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing to apply, but make sure you have proper documentation, do this, do this. So that's why I think it'll just be really good to hear directly from you. You know, you're, you're, you're the one who's kind of got the broad perspective over all of this. And so I would love for you to share some, some real tangible things that, that would be good for producers and people to know about
0: sure no I'm happy to and I think you're right I think going from response to recovery uh, number one it's, it's difficult but I think it's it's also can be very confusing uh, and I think we're so focused after a storm comes through and, and making sure that everyone everybody's okay you, you know everybody is okay do we have food do we have water do we are we safe do we have structure I mean basically looking at those hierarchy of needs but I think the the term prepare for recovery comes to mind and it's something that you're hearing from FEMA and you're hearing from uh, government and USDA as well from a personal standpoint and from a family standpoint of how are you going to be able to recover and that's looking at your insurance and that's looking at different things that you may need to have in that long term recovery because as we know recovery can take a really long time. But I think from an ag business and from a producer standpoint, also embracing that, like prepare for recovery is so important. Um, and for no other reason than looking at some of, these, uh, the, some of these programs that are available for recovery, a lot of them change based upon the impacts from the storm as well. So trying to be as knowledgeable or getting as much information as you can regarding what the different programs are, what do they cover what do they not cover and what do you what can you do in blue skies and non-hurricane season to better prepare you to go for some of these funds if it was to impact your area also so i think that's really important for folks to understand is yes we want you to develop that you know crisis plan that what are we going to do when everything is happening but go two or three steps beyond what are you going to need three weeks later what are you going to need two weeks later what are you going to need in order to start that recovery process and maybe not get back to normal as we know but to a new normal uh and try to lessen some of the stress uh, immediately uh immediately following but then two or three two or three weeks afterwards and, as well.
1: And from an operational standpoint, at least return back to functioning.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in, in in FEMA terms, it's, you know, the continuation of operations plans. And so those continuation of operations or COOP plans are immediately like, what do we need again right after the storm? What do you need two weeks after? What do you need three weeks after? Again, trying to get back to those operations, uh, those general operations.
1: And Angie, you even mentioned, uh, you, you just said something about insurance policies. in in I think back to something you had mentioned in the past about even going through in advance, talking to people working with your policies, your your agents, and understanding what they truly cover. Because you don't want to wait until after the storm to realize that maybe you don't have the coverage you thought you had. Or, you know, really understanding what, what you're in for.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
1: so you mentioned... Going into the event, but then also up to two, three weeks even after. Should we start maybe at the beginning? Any... Anything specifically you'd like to talk about maybe going into a potential event?
0: Um, I would definitely think going into a potential event, number one, I'm going to always say listen to your your local authorities, like basically do, if they tell you to leave, leave, you know, and do what you can um, to prepare not only your home and your family, but also your business as well. And that's another thing that during blue skies, when it's not hurricane season, you can think through a little bit more clearly because we know that when a storm is coming our way, the adrenaline kicks. In, and you're probably not thinking as clearly as you normally would so take that time in January or February to say okay what are the steps I need to do to prepare if a storm's coming my way and if I have to leave and if I have to evacuate and go ahead and make sure that you have those supplies or you have the things that you need or the things are in place or the paperwork's in place to have those things done so that you can follow those local guidelines and you can be sure that yourself and your family are safe as well. Uh, so that would be number one is definitely make sure that that you follow the guidelines or you follow the local county and, and state officials and making sure that you keep yourself and your family safe. Um, you know step 2 is whenever it's safe to come back in of course you want to everybody wants to clean up like you you know you mentioned everybody just wants to i mean we're floridians we we know how to take a chainsaw and get the, the get the tree off the road but again why it's so important to have those conversations in blue skies of you do wanna document the damage that has indeed happened within your area as well. Um, and that is for not only insurance purposes, but it's also to help you to, to prepare for the next one. Um, unfortunately, these events can be our best teachers sometimes, and so therefore learning, okay, this is what 150 mile per hour uh, wind did to my fencing, or this is what 150 mile uh, per hour wind did to the trees. And so knowing that ahead of time will help you in preparing for the next one as well.
1: I want to go back one step. Absolutely, and I'm. I'm going to ask this because my my producer hat really kicked in, <laughs> and so I know there are going to be people listening who would probably ask, "Okay, we follow our local officials, right? And and they're saying need to get out of here, but we run an operation, right? Am I really going to leave my my entire life, you know, my my farm, my legacy, or all of my animals, sure. or something?" Anything specifically you would want to share with somebody listening from from that perspective who, you know, might be very difficult or might be very unrealistic to leave my hundreds and hundreds of head of cows or, you know, this this crop that I just put in the ground.
0: Sure. I, and I get that. I understand that. And, of course, we see that with every storm, obviously. Um, it may be a conversation to have with your county officials. Uh, and so within the FEMA system and within the emergency operations center, The Animals and Agriculture is covered under Emergency Support Function, or ESF, not to try to get into too much of the alphabet soup of FEMA (laughs) here. Sorry. Um, They love their acronyms even more than academia. Um, But Emergency Support Function 17 is Animals and Agriculture. And it may be to reach out to that ESF 17 rep within your county. And that's nothing more than calling your your county emergency manager, uh, which should be readily available. That number should be on the website, basically, and saying hey, I know that I'm in an area, I'm in zone whatever, zone one, two, or three. I know I'm one of the first ones that be asked to evacuate, but here's my situation. And possibly asking them for their advice or their information or any assistance they can, they can provide. Uh, The State Agricultural Response Team, SART, is actually the folks that are kind of in charge of all the ES-17s. And so there's there's programs and there's contacts and there's relationships and there's a network that's already established that may be able to help support somebody that's not feeling like they're able to evacuate um, or be able to say, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I was in the same thing with Irma or with Michael and I did evacuate and it was okay and this is what I did. So being able to learn those lessons learned from others, but I think making those connections with some of those county officials and especially folks that work with that ES-17, that Animals and Agriculture, and also the State Agricultural Response Team is going to be really beneficial.
1: No, I appreciate you sharing that. I just know, like I said, especially if somebody hasn't necessarily been in that situation directly before and might be looking at it through the lens of, you know, but what about this? But What about this? And I think one thing that comes to mind for me is just remembering, too, that at the end of the day, none of it is worth the well-being of, of you and your family.
0: Absolutely. That's and a very good point. Yeah. And, and, and people first. Yeah. You know, you yourself and your family are, are number one. Absolutely.
1: Now, back to more of the operational piece of it, though. So we talked a little bit about um, understanding our policies going into it, understanding what sort of needs we might have. If you know that you might lose power, the grid might go down. Do I need backup generators? Do I need, you know, what sort of things, tangible things, am I going to need? Now, following the aftermath of the storm, anything else that you'd like to talk about or or anything that maybe we wouldn't normally automatically think of? Um, I know a lot of people are quick to try and apply for the grant funding. You talked about having documentation, um, accessing your insurance policies and those things. But other steps or other things that maybe come to mind, afterwards
0: i think the thing to keep in mind is recovery is long um and and i think that's where folks get frustrated especially once you move from response to recovery okay things are getting back to normal you know we're not hearing about it on the news constantly anymore um you know we're we're trying to get back to normal operations but you're not in a you're not in a state where you're in normal operations you're still in that recovery and it can be frustrating to not get back there as quickly as you want to so I think being patient and I know that's so hard to say but trying to be patient and understanding that you've got the federal government you've got the state government you've got your county government that are all working together to try to make sure that they have the things in place to help in that recovery stage as well so um, and it is it can be confusing and trying to navigate that that area and who's doing what and who's on first and who's on second and where do I need to go um, but you know I, I'll put a plug in for extension that's one of the things that we try to work with extension and helping them understand what this system works work what this system looks like in recovery and how they can help their communities and their stakeholders navigate some of these really, really hard to understand sometimes, especially when you're in the middle of a crisis.
1: And on that note, I, th- I think back to something you've shared in the past too, and in, I think it'd be good to share, even talking about the idea that there is a point where the response and the relief groups, even though the locals may not necessarily think they're back on their feet, they've actually got to pull out. Yes, they, they, they have to leave. And would you like to talk a little bit about some of the nuance there just for people to better understand just because of the dynamics of the area?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've worked in response now for uh, again, for Irma, for all four, four storms, basically. And we start to, to demobilize, basically, you know, kind of demobilize the team and the response team when things start coming back online. So when the Home Depot b- opens back up when the Lowes opens back up, when the publi'x opens back up when it's easy for somebody to get some ice and get some water because you do not want to cripple the the economy and the system within the within the local area uh, so therefore when you start to see some of these things that we rely on every day and sometimes we take for granted and electricity is coming back on uh, that's when you'll start seeing re- when you'll start seeing the the change from response to recovery a lot of times so uh so understanding that yes we all are going to have needs and recovery is a long time but some of the resources that we have come to rely on pre-storm are going to be available in those recovery areas as well so
1: and i think that's just a good thing to note because some people who may not necessarily see that side of the process or understand that part of the system you may see it and just think people are just just leaving Um, and so rather than sort of having a sense of hopelessness or having a sense that, you know, you're being isolated or something, it, it is very much part of local economics, the local system. And yeah, I, something I personally hadn't really spent too much time thinking about prior to our conversations.
0: And a lot of those groups are volunteers. I mean, especially some of our faith-based groups. I mean, those are volunteers. And so, yeah, a lot of times, you know, they have one group will come in and then they'll leave and then another group will come in. So they're able to stay a little bit longer as well. Um, and I think if, if you see that, okay, there's still a need and this group has to leave. I mean, uh, we have a really great Florida volunteer, uh, national group, or sorry, our statewide Florida volunteer group is fantastic. And so they're very good at taking what are those needs that are still out there. And if those groups are leaving and you still have some needs, Reach out to them. Uh, reach out to your county. They can be able to be able to help you and connect you with Florida Volunteer because uh, they're a great group. We're very lucky in our state to have a statewide effort to kind of manage some of those volunteers coming in, and so they do have a pretty good idea of who out who's out there, who's doing what, and what needs they can meet as well. Absolutely. So.
1: Now- for people listening, I know you, we, can, we can talk about insurance and we can talk about <laughs> funding from the state or funding from, from the federal government or from USDA. and we, we can talk about that a lot and people can apply and, and do those things. But I even think back to a conversation I had with some producer friends of, of ours and talking to them. What is They had just gone through a storm, had experienced huge, huge loss devastation and talking to them. I said, well, what's your reaction? Aside from cleanup, aside from the, the standard things, what does it look like to get your business back up and going? Mm-hmm. And one thing that stuck out to me was when they said, we knew that we were not going to be the same for a while. Right. We were going to be slow to get back up and going. But we told all of our business partners, we told our buyers, mm-hmm. we told the people who come to us for product typically, when we are back online and back up and going, bring us the orders. Yeah. Support us that way you know, get the business back up and going right now. We know that we're going to have a gap, but support us in that way. And, and that's something that I thought was really relevant, really meaningful. And I would even ask you anything else in your experience, you've been through these major storms, you worked on the oil spill event, anything else that stands out beyond just the standard of apply for your insurance, apply for funding, anything else that you think would be good just for people to know or be aware of?
0: I think you bring up a really good point with uh, the, you know, helping the business partners understand, you know, just be sure, be there with us, be patient. And when you do bring us the orders, I think, uh, cause you are, I mean, in times of disaster, I mean, that's one thing that I have seen working in the incident command post. We get calls from all over the country asking what they can do to help. And obviously money, money is very helpful, obviously. And so, I mean, that's something that we definitely, Uh, look at getting within the within the state uh, from a state response effort but I think from a production standpoint uh, that's a really good point of making sure that you understand that this is going to take a while and that we're going to get back on but when we are let's let's talk about how we can make sure that you can help us make up for what we've had to take off on that particular time as well so um, I think that's that's very important to understand that, yes, you're going to get calls from folks that are saying, "How can I help what can I do to help um, and 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 let them help I mean you know let them let them do what they want to do to help you if they're willing to send uh, a cash donation or if they're willing to send a donation of something you know let's work with your county government see if you can get that to them and I mean that's something that let them help uh, take let let the help happen absolutely
1: and sometimes it very much is a uh, a part of just setting our our pride and our ego aside and accepting help yeah Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: this is more so just me kind of thinking out loud right now but speaking of the idea of the network that you have or talking to buyers and you know having them bring the orders when when you're ready I would also say too and and consider this maybe I don't know if it's a suggestion or or maybe even a challenge but as we're looking at what business and supply chain looks like nowadays I would really say it goes back to the personal and professional network that you keep oh, gosh. because if I'm thinking about this from the standpoint of, of a business or, or retailers wanting to source product, they can't go without product. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be faced as a supplier with an incident like this, this storm where you're going to be offline for however long being able to rely on a working personal or professional network, where maybe somebody can help you fill some of the gap or you can source from other areas or something. I would really encourage people to think about, that layer of their business and having that sort of, I guess in business terms, we would call it supply chain assurance. Sure. Um, but being able to leverage that network and that even goes back to things you and I've talked about on a personal level. Absolutely. Actually, leveraging your network, reaching out to the people when you need the help, mm-hmm. even if you don't really want to admit it.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree with you, and I have to I have to give a shout out to the Cattlemen's Association, especially after Hurricane Ian. They set up their own kind of distribution area. Um, State Agricultural Response Team always sets up their. Uh, uh, donation in area as well, um, and we worked really closely together. As uh, someone who was sitting in the state ICP and incident command post, I worked really closely with Cattlemen's Association. Hey, I have somebody who needs this. Do y'all have it? Yeah, we have it, and vice versa. He would call me. We need. We need a hay. Yep, I've got hay. So we were able to work very closely with that association who who utilized their network of the cattlemen associations around the country to get some of those donations and try to meet the needs after, after Hurricane Ian as easily as possible. And so being able to have those connections uh, and have those networks and being able to work carefully with them to make sure that we can get the donations that can meet the needs and the gaps after the storm was so crucial and it was really helpful. And I was, uh, as someone who was working that it was really really helpful Uh, that's that's a great (laughs) shout
1: out and i appreciate you sharing and and as we get sort of towards the the end of the conversation angie i just i want to give you free reign you know you i want to remind anybody listening you look at things from the local and county level to the state level and all the way up to working with eden working with usda looking at a national level and even here at the academic level looking globally Mm -hmm. and internationally anything else that stands out within this conversation is just relevant or, or that you would like to share with anybody listening in or outside of the industry?
0: I, you know, I, and it's something for me that, you know, working in this area and, and working response and working recovery, I, I the, you the, the, excuse me, the needs of the agricultural industry are so unique and that is in the preparedness and the mitigation and the response and the recovery and I think in my role and what I do, I think a lot of what I want to kind of focus on is what can we do as as IFAS, as Extension, uh, to help in preparing and mitigating and respond and recovering? What can we do to help to help y'all, to help the industry and to help our stakeholders and to help our producers to not only better prepare, but to also to prepare for that recovery? Uh, so anytime we can get some of that information back of you know what are the needs what are the gaps and again we learn after every single storm because we all know that they're the best teachers sometimes uh, sometimes it's hard to learn those uh, but I think really understanding what are some of the things that we can do within our own counties within our extension folks within all 67 counties to better prepare and 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 help our stakeholders and our and folks in our communities better prepare as well so absolutely I
1: appreciate it. And just real quick, this is probably more so a plug for any any producers. uh, But is there anything you would like to share with somebody who might be listening from the opposite end of the supply chain or, you know, more at the county, state or national level? Anything you would like them to be more aware of based on your interaction with producers during these events?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I think I think the past four storms and anyone who's in that county level or the and emergency management has probably learned some of the unique needs of the agricultural industry if they didn't already know it. Um, but I would encourage them to reach out to the producers in their area during blue skies as well reach out to your extension folks as well to find out hey you know what were your impacts from storm ABC or D uh, or what have you done to prepare for a storm and just and again have that conversation during blue skies so that um, when when the storm is coming you're not, trying to figure out who to call when to call uh, so just making those connections and the relationships if you're if they're not already made obviously um before hurricane season
1: i, I really like that point the idea of somebody who especially thinking about a, a county or a state official who maybe hasn't connected as much with the producers in their their respective or area yeah. or, or mm-hmm. a new one mm-hmm. and going in and that that's a really good point. Don't wait for the disaster to, to go in and try to have a rational conversation with these people and understand their needs yeah. going in during the good times and, and understanding how things run typically mm-hmm. rather than waiting for things to be completely broken. That's
0: yeah. It. It, and that's a hard one. I, I go back to Irma and I had an extension agent who called me who was doing, they were setting up a shelter uh, and they were working with Red Cross because Red Cross uh, does sheltering in our state a lot of times. And so she said, she said to me, I'll never forget this, she goes, if I had just had lunch with her, you know, the day before, just to it set up that relationship, we could have we could have hit the ground running. So there is something to be said to at least know the person, have their cell phone number, and to be able to hit the ground running instead of having to find out who it is and how to get in touch with them when things are very, very, very stressful.
1: And for any producers listening that goes for you too. reach out to your local reps and let's be proactive about this. Uh, but no, Angie, thank you so much for just all the thoughts and the stories you've shared. And for anybody who might be wanting to learn more about UF and, and their involvement in this space or the Eden network or anything, uh, anything you'd like to add as far as ways they can reach out or raise oh, sure ways they can get in touch.
0: Absolutely. So, um, on the PI center website, which is PI center.com, Uh, piecent rcom we do have a under the programs there's an Eden there's an Eden website there and my information is on there feel free to email me feel free to call me text me um, and I'm happy to help and provide any assistance I can at all Uh, you can also reach out to your extension folks most of them know who I am you can just say she's the disaster person Um, and they'll be happy to connect you as well Uh, but no I'm I'm happy to help in anything I can do absolutely
1: I appreciate it Angie and uh, I think you've hit on a lot of really good things. I think the going into an emergency or some sort of state of disaster with the proper mindset, preparation, uh, ready for some sort of response, I think that's a good way to, I'll say, mind your business. And, (laughs) And on that, I would just remind everybody to take care of yourselves and mind your melon.